presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. He served Idaho for decades, from the state senate to the governor's office, and made a massive impact on Idaho public policy. Tonight, we take a look at the life and career of Governor Phil Batt. I'm Melissa Davlin. Idaho Reports starts now. Hello and welcome to this special episode of Idaho Reports. This week we take a look at the life and career of Governor Phil Batt, who died Saturday, March 4th on his 96th birthday. Then Governor Dirk Kempthorne, Senator Jim Risch, Governor Butch Otter and Governor Brad Little join me to share memories of their friend and mentor. But first, let's get you caught up on the week. On Wednesday, legislative leadership from both parties met with members of the Idaho Press Club to discuss the session and its progress, or lack thereof. As of Thursday, Governor Brad Little has signed just 20 bills, far fewer than where the legislature usually is at this point in the session. But House Speaker Mike Moyle said that lawmakers are making progress. You see stuff that gets stalled as we go along and everybody thinks nothing's gonna happen. There's a lot happening, you're just not seeing it in the public. You'll see in the next week things, you've been here, you see how it gels, things happen fast. You'll see the higher ed tomorrow. You'll see what, at, you know, K-12 on Friday. A lot of money's gonna get spent in the next two days. And once that happens, you'll see things start moving. One bill that's getting scrutiny from lawmakers, the Idaho Launch Workforce Development Program proposed by Governor Little. That bill appeared Tuesday before the Senate Commerce and Human Resources Committee, sparking passionate disagreements about the proper role of government and who the bill would actually benefit. Now, Doug Sayer is a big business leader in Eastern Idaho. He leads Premier Technologies. Premier Technology, Technologies donated $2,500 to the Brad Little campaign and over 25,000 25, just this January to friends Mr. of Brad Mr. Little. Mr. Chairman, I object. That's good. Thank you, Mr. Nate, for the answer. That's good. Okay. There, there are many others on the Workforce Development Council making Mr. such Officer, donations to Brad Officer, Little. would you help us? I need you to sit down. Oh, am I done? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Let's make no mistake about what this bill is about. I don't believe it's a socialist program, and I don't think we're picking losers and winners. I think we're picking all winners. And I think by going to the um, demand jobs, it's good. That may change. You know, every couple of years, the demand jobs may change as we've watched them change over, over our lifetimes. Uh, the demand jobs have changed a lot. The Commerce Committee ultimately sent the bill for amendments and the Senate State Affairs Committee introduced a companion bill on Wednesday morning that would limit what the $8,500 launch grants would pay for. The Senate President Pro Tem Chuck Winder said he hopes to gather more support for the program after it passed the House by just a single vote last month. They typically don't like us amending their bills even though we have the right to do that. Uh, the trailer bill uh, is an effort to have a plan B, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, if we can't come to some agreement, uh, then the trailer bill would be advanced, but I'm hopeful and optimistic that uh, working with House leadership that we can come to agreement on uh, some changes to 24. <coughs> um, 
concerns. And I think the trailer bill kind of outlines most of the concerns that were voiced by a majority of the Senate members. I don't have a problem with Senate amending House bills. We do the same. That's how, that's how the process works. I, I do have more concerns with the trailer bill. We've been in this place before where we've done trailer bills and they don't make it. Also Wednesday, Idaho child care providers and parents rallied at the Capitol building to protest the Joint Budget Committee's decision in February to approve some health and welfare budgets without funding for child care grants that had been provided to the state from the Federal American Rescue Plan Act. This goes beyond just pushing key needs out to the very end of session. This one, it was affirmatively tanked. They said they just turned down $80 million of badly needed childcare assistance funds. And, and this is an inflection point for every other industry. Every industry in the state counts on childcare access, whether you're in manufacturing or whether you're in food services or whatever you're in, your workers need childcare. Um, and these funds are very badly needed. I think it can still be fixed, but it's gonna be an uphill battle. Speaker Moyle said the issue hasn't been on his radar, though he said it could be addressed by the Joint Finance Appropriations Committee before the end of the session. Our friends at the Idaho Capitol Sun have much more on the debate. Another topic that came up with leadership was a bill that would change a section of code banning armed private militias from parading in public. The bill sparked debate over the message it sends about the state's reputation. There are still criminal penalties for the abuse of parading or intimidating or display of weapons. Uh, so that was the reason the guard really brought it was, it really wasn't necessary in their opinion, it wasn't being enforced. Um, so I think, you know, that was kind of the basis for it as it, as it played out, uh, the message that uh, some made out of it was, and it's always interesting, uh, the opposition will accuse us of sending messages uh, and they're the ones actually speaking the message. In Senator Foreman's debate on the Senate floor, if you heard him, he used the example of Black Lives Matter associating in Coeur d'Alene two summers ago and armed folks coming out to guard stores. I didn't confront that in debate, but I probably should have. The, because I think it links to what Senator Ruckey was really talking about in his debate, right? We have a history in our state of the Aryan nation being solidly grounded here, and that our state's reputation across the globe has been associated with that. And to me, to repeal this law, as Senator Foreman has said in my committee before, our laws are a communication of our values. And by passing that law, it sends a message about values. And I do think it puts the welcome mat out for certain groups. And I think it opens the door for armed folks to parade as a verb, not in a public parade, out front of judges' homes, commissioners' homes, elected officials' homes, hospitals, and school boards. Reporters also asked leadership about property tax progress. And on Thursday, Representative Jason Monks proposed a bill that would offer up about $300 million in property tax relief per year by giving tax credits to homeowners as well as direct payments to school districts to cover bond and levy payments. The proposal is a combination of past bills by the House and Senate. All things said and done, Republican leaders are optimistic the session can finish in two weeks. Democrats aren't so sure. Um, real quick, thumbs up or thumbs down. March 24th, really? Heck yeah. <laughs>
Come on, positive thinking. If JFAC finishes setting budgets no, on Friday. Well, if they said if they can set the budgets by Friday, which that's their goal and their deadline, and they tell me every day they can do it, then we can be done in two weeks. Former Governor Phil Batt died on Saturday, March 4th on his 96th birthday. Batt served Idaho for decades and between his negotiations on nuclear waste management, his human rights work and his Republican Party chairmanship, he made an impact that helped shape the Idaho we know today. Governor Batt's long-standing service as a citizen, legislator, Lieutenant Governor of Governor. And the many roles he played is marked by many achievements. He didn't have, you know, the easiest young life. I mean, he worked hard on the farm. He went to the U of I. He had to come back because his father was seriously injured in a car wreck, and he had to come back and run the farm. Didn't complete his degree. He was a brilliant guy without a college education. I have a number that I wanted to share with you. Uh, 21,250, that is the number of days ago that Phil Matt entered public service in this building until this one. Governor Batt was always serving his community, but he served in the state Senate where he sponsored landmark legislation. He was elected Lieutenant Governor. Republican Lieutenant Governor Phil Batt became the first Republican candidate to announce for governor. At year's end, Bat was generally thought to be the GOP frontrunner. He went back to the Senate, then he became the Republican Party chairman at, and really was responsible for the, the vast rise in the Republican numbers in Idaho to become a supermajority. Rather than going home and just rolling it all up, once again he rolled up his sleeves and Phil Bat became the champion of the Republican Party and revitalized it. I had all kinds of organizational ac activities going out throughout, throughout the state. I traveled extensively doing that. He was very active in going around the state in 1991, working in each county with uh, folks that weren't necessarily part of the county party, but were identifying themselves as either conservatives or Republicans and interested in the outcome. And from that, he took the information, cataloged it, and went back out and started talking about, here are the things we have in common. And it became kind of the big tent approach, which is that we have enough room to be a home for people of lots of different um, ideology on the Republican side. Uh, what we have to focus on are the things that bring us together and let us win. And he was very effective in finding candidates that would espouse that. Um, that weren't necessarily a lockstep on every issue, um, but could align around some broad principles. He quickly helped restore the you know historical balance, and the Republicans won back enough seats that when uh, just two years later they held 23 seats in the Senate, and the Democrats were down to 12. So I, that sets the stage for him becoming governor two years later. At the beginning of the campaign, we were 36, 38 points down and had to spend a lot of time looking at our shoes, but then getting out and having to work hard. And uh, uh, Phil was, you know, the happy warrior. He was out there on the campaign trail all the time and uh, started early and worked late. 
I think you can say it really was a pivot point that le leads us to where we are now. They, they couldn't do any good, and the Democrats, they tried time and time and time again. We just wiped them out. As genial as his relationship with Andrus was, he wanted to win, and he wanted the party to restore its strength, restore its effectiveness, and so he was capable of being sharply partisan when it was called for. I think Governor Batt was always willing to learn. He says in his biography, his autobiography rather, that listening is important. And um, he struck me as a person who might have a reaction at the very beginning, but then he would listen to people and potentially change his point of view. We should not immediately attack from a position of strength the issues which will be before us, that we must give them full discussion and certainly we should be statesmen about it. He would use whatever tools available with honor and honesty, but also he was capable of fighting for what he wanted. Idaho did not require workman's comp insurance for migrant workers, and he wanted legislation that would require that, would expand workman's comp to migrant workers. He tried to get that done his first session in 95 and failed. The House defeated the bill by a large margin. And then in December of that year, before the 96 session, a farm worker working on a dairy in Malta lost both of his arms and a leg working with a post hole digger, and Bat used that. The uh, legislature at that time was still primarily farmers, a lot of farmers, and they didn't want to do that. And he, you know, he just kept pushing and pushing. For all his humility, he knew how to turn the knife and how to get someone to vote for something that was reluctant to do so. I felt pretty strongly about that one. Uh, I'd carried my own compensation for 50, 40, 50 years, I don't know, and uh, it was a benefit not only to the worker but to the, to the employer and it, because you're immune from lawsuits and it only makes good sense. I made some, some of my farm friends very angry. In fact, I think I lost friendship for a long period of time with some of them. The Hispanic uh, population increase, which has been spectacular, uh, is going to affect every facet of our life, and I think, I hope we do that with some aplomb and some understanding from everybody. It was plain courage, and he did it, and then it became, you know, just the way he was. Humanities and all kinds of actions that were, there were many people who did a lot, but Idaho's too great to hate. I see his face. He was involved in the very beginnings of the Commission on Human Rights. He really worked hard for Idaho to adopt Martin Luther King Human Rights Day. That's why we see the, the new Human Rights Education Center named the Philip E. Batt Building here in Boise. He was a hard guy not to love. I mean, he was just so humble loving, kind, determined. When people describe Phil Batt, I never heard them use the term tall, but we all 
did look up to him. He's known for being small in stature, and I too am quite short. And I remember walking down the stairs in the Capitol Rotunda with him, and he turned to me and said, I like you, Zeph, you're short. Phil uh, loved his family. He loved farming, he loved uh, to write, he loved music. Uh, to our chagrin, he also loved corny jokes. There is a parrot to death. <laughs> the first time I met Phil Bad was at the Eidenhaw in the mid 80s playing his clarinet with Gene Harris. You know, wow. Phil Bat was very dear to me. Uh, I've known him since I was a teenager, and we always had our love of music and playing the clarinet in common. Well, I never took myself very seriously. I just, um, you know, it, it, music always helped me along in everything. But uh, most of my fun has been in music. I think people forget um, is the uh, poem that he wrote wrote in um, the honor of the deaths of those miners in, in uh, North Idaho that uh, are etched into the statue. We waited and speared at the mouth of the pit, ached in unison at the news of the dead, joined the jubilation at the rescue of the living, marveled at the poise of the tiny community, and we became strong. The flux of the widow's tears welded your strength into our bodies. And we were all Idahoans. And we were all miners. And we were all proud. What people are, are going to miss uh, was kind of an, in this even-handedness. Uh, was he a Republican? Yes. Was he uh, over the top? No. I mean, he worked with Democrats. Some of his best friends were Democrats. And would they disagree on issues? Yeah, but they didn't do it disagreeably. <laughs> I can hardly talk about it without being emotional. It's a tremendous honor for me to serve as governor, and one in which I stand in wonderment all the time. After all, I'm a man of fairly humble beginnings and education, and it, it proves that anybody can do it. That humility and that connection with other people. Um, I'm gonna miss that. It's a fact we only have so many years on this earth and uh, I know that eventually my time will come and I think that I should spend some time in retrospection, reflection. Joining us today, it is an honor to introduce Idaho's four governors, Governor Dirk Kempthorne, Senator Jim Risch, Governor Butch Otter, and Governor Brad Little, here to share their memories of Governor Phil Batt. Um, there was so much we weren't able to get to in the package about Governor Batt's life, you know, his, his involvement with INL and you know his involvement with the Transportation Department. But Senator Risch, I wanted to start with you. You served with Governor Batt in the Senate. Do you have any memories or stories that you want to share? Uh, 
I do. Some I can tell, some I can't tell. But uh, uh, look, Phil Bat was uh, uh, above all, I think, uh, a fun guy, a fun guy to hang out with. And uh, I think, uh, like all of us, probably more so when he was younger. But uh, uh, when I first got to the Senate, he was the majority leader and he, he ran for president pro tem against the then president pro tem and lost that race. Um, and so he sat in the back row, the, the leadership sits in the back row, the freshmen sit in the front row. So I was in the front row, on the front corner, and, uh, and he was in the back row. Um, and we became good friends during that two years. But then after the two years, the president pro tem didn't run, so Phil moved up and then I moved up. So we sat next to each other in the back row for the rest of his first time in the legislature. So we, you, when, the, when the debate uh, drags on, you wind up uh, getting to know each other pretty well. Uh, a lot of conversation takes place. But, uh, but look, uh, this thing has been portrayed absolutely accurately. Phil's first love was his family. There's no question about it. He really loved farming. He didn't talk about that very much. He really liked to write. And uh, all of us have received missiles from him from time to time. Uh, um, some very confidential sorts of things and uh, others not so much. Uh, and he loved, and, uh, he loved music and, and like I said yesterday, he loved corny jokes too. Uh, much more so when he was, when, uh, he was younger. In fact, I, the, the first corny joke I remember him telling, I can't remember what the joke was, uh, but I remember it, it bombed. Uh, and uh, we'd been, the legislature was very different back then. This was in 19, my first year was 1975. And we had uh, uh, been in session for about two weeks. Now, today they have the legislators go to breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, and sometimes multiple times. Well, back then it wasn't like that. They didn't have all these uh, dinners and what have you. And um, in any event, he, uh, uh, he made a, a joke about the fact that uh, we'd been in town two weeks, and the, the entity that was holding the dinner, he was congratulating them for the first ones to finally feed the legislature, although we'd been there for two weeks. Um, it, it got the same reaction it got here just now. So, uh, <laughs> that was not uncommon. For one were, of you at, were you at the Yang, uh, Yi, Yang uh, Yang Ching. Yeah. Ching. Where'd well, you have dinner? At that uh, Chinese place. That was, Butch, you're talking 50 years ago. Oh. I don't remember where the dinner no. was, you know. <laughs> it was, I can remember, I can remember the entity that, uh, that had the dinner. It was the Commission for the Blind that had the dinner. And I think mm. they hold one every year, have held one every year for a they long They can be pretty long. <laughs> yeah, they can be long. Yenching is still there. And, and Phil, <laughs> by the way, Phil was the master. They'd asked Phil to be the master of ceremonies mm. at, the, at this dinner, so. I don't remember where it was. I don't think I've ever eaten there. <laughs> oh, it's, it's delicious. It's You're good. missing out. <laughs> Governor Kempthorne, mm -hmm. what memories do you have of Governor Bat? Well, picking up on what uh, Senator Riss said, first I'm going to say he, he totally, totally was devoted to his family. Uh, I would be invited out to Wilder to their home. Jackie would, was great with the fried chicken. It was always wonderful food. Uh, but the kids, I mean, Bill and Rebecca, Leslie, they, uh, and, and, and then of course the family grew. But Phil was in his element there and the family liked to laugh. So during the campaign of 1982, I got the call to come on out to Wilder again. And uh, as I pulled in, no one was around. And I walked up the drive and there was his car, which was now painted with bats on it. The Batmobile. The Batmobile. Bat and all the family members, including Phil, were hiding, watching my reaction. So I said, no, I think it's great. You know, anything that raises the, the profile and the visibility of the candidate. Um, 
He also loved music. And um, well, I'll tell you, those of us that had the great joy of going to the Eidenhaw Hotel and uh, Peter Schatz, and that's where Gene Harris would be playing. Gene Harris was a world-renowned jazz pianist. And Phil loved playing with him. They loved one another. Um, and again, that's when I saw the, the joy in the eyes of Phil Batt. Curtis Steigers, he would play with Curtis Steigers. For his inauguration, when he became governor, his, his one, one of the wishes he had was that Chet Atkins would come to the inaugural and do something at the ball. He did. And then again, um, Phil Batt joined Chet Atkins on stage. Uh, Mark Dunn, a great buddy of Phil's, brought in Chet Atkins. So Phil was a world-class player, but also player by music. Um, but also if school kids, school bands would come in, the governor would get the clarinet out, out also. And he was genuinely good, too. I, I saw videos of him. We, we had some earlier in the show. Yeah. He was genuinely good. He was very good, very, very good, and loved playing. Governor Otter, uh, what memories do you have of Governor Bat? Well, first off, uh, rather than repeat everything that Jim and Dirk have said, um, I uh, I agree with everything they've said, uh, and I could I could go on and on and on about that forever. But um, their their comments about the music, I thought was was great because he, he, he was really in his element uh, when he was playing music. And we would go out during campaigns, uh, we would go out to senior citizen centers, uh, me with my guitar, and uh, of course him with the, the tooting that horn. And we'd go to schools, uh, there was a lot of places that would, would go and he always would comment later on you're no Chet Atkins. Oh. <laughs> I, I figured that was a compliment because he was making, uh, he was making the comparison. And you told him he was no Pete Fountain. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't. <laughs> but I'll tell you what I saw yesterday. One of the most tender moments in that whole deal yesterday. When he was lying in state. When in he was Capitol. lying in state was when that guy played yeah. uh, that uh, song. This was a song that Governor yeah. Bat wrote. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and but it was haunting. Right. You know, yeah. the clarinet's kind of a haunting instrument anyway, and mm -hmm. it, and it just sucks the tenderness out of you because it's so mellow. Yeah. And yet very distinct. And so, uh, you know, he picked for Phil Bat's character. He picked the right instrument to play. Mm -hmm. It's it was a it was a gorgeous yeah. a gorgeous performance. But I got a lot of other memories. Feel free to share them. It's I just will. between us. It's just between us. Brad's turn. <laughs> what do you remember of Governor Bat? He, he was really a tightwad. I mean, he was he, he was a fiscal conservative from the get go. When he took over the governor's office, uh, you know, and it was a what we in our business call a hostile takeover. It was after 24 years of Democrats, it was Republicans. But every agency head, every legislator, everything is we've got to lower the trajectory of the cost of government, uh, moratorium on hiring new people. And he was that way about state government, but he's also that way about local government. And for these three that served in Congress, every time they voted for a bill that cost too much money, they perhaps maybe got a phone call. <laughs> I've Perhaps. heard of some of these legendary yeah. phone calls yeah. and, and, and... But he would, I mean, he was truly, you know, people that don't think he wasn't a, a conservative, and I, and I think he was also a conservative from the kind of the human rights side, you know, 
Lincoln was famous because he wanted everybody to be able to enjoy the fruits of their labor. And Phil thought it was unfair for certain people in certain places because of their lot in life to not have an opportunity. And he wanted that trajectory in the economy and government not to stifle it. He cut taxes, he cut spending, he cut state employees. And anybody that cast him as anything other than a... But I, I remember talking to him about early childhood development. And uh, this is before we did kindergarten and some of those other things. And I remember he goes, damn it, Brad. Those little kids, when they're four and five, their brains are developing. I don't want to spend any money, but we got to do this. This is the right thing to do. <laughs> I want to. You know, I was in the office when um, I was on his transition team when, uh, when uh, he became uh, governor. And uh, uh, I was there when he got his first cell phone. And uh, for, he, he didn't think that cell phone was a good idea to begin with, okay. But anyway, the next morning he showed him, this thing isn't working anymore. And they said, well, did you charge it? And he said, charge it? You gotta charge this every night? Yeah, I don't want this thing, you know, and he gave it back to him. But he didn't like it anyway, because they were yeah. spending money on a, on a cell phone. <laughs> Along those lines, you know, he, he wasn't just a fiscal conservative when it came to government, it was also in his own personal life too. And, and you had put together a proclamation for his birthday, March 4th, um, Phil Bat Old Geezer Tightwad Day. I, I, I just want you to walk us through <laughs> some of the parts of this proclamation. Well, I mean, Saturday uh, was his birthday and it was Idaho Day and I, I had capital for a day and so I, uh, Kelly Stasky and my staff, I said, uh, I just gave her a couple ideas. I says, let's write up a proclamation. I'll give it to to Phil and Francie the next day. And then of course, uh, I was at the prayer breakfast and I got the call that he'd passed away. And so I went to, the, we had the birthday party for him anyway. And I, I kind of approached Francie about it. She says, oh no, read it. And you know, it was a sad event. All the, all, all of his old staff and, and a few of us were there. And, and but the, the family brought it to the, uh, to the uh, in-state, ceremony yesterday uh, but it, it you know it just talked about uh, you know he he got rid of Cease's Cadillac and was driving a Ford Taurus and it, it just all of those are, uh, are doesn't don't surprise any of us about uh, you know there there'd be some proposal to do some of the capital says oh I think it's too damn much money and and uh, I remember when they tried to pass a bond in Wilder he and I were going back and forth about what plurality we need to pass a bond and he was almost convinced to lower the plurality. And then in Wilder, he said, oh, that was too fancy a school. They lowered the cost of school and passed it. And says, no, don't, don't mess with that, Brad. So, uh, but he, he really was a conservative, but he was, a, I mean, the word compassionate conservative should have been invented for, for Phil Bat. I, uh, I, I want to ask how his mentorship affected your leadership style and your you you served immediately after mm -hmm. Governor Bat and you knew him very well. How did the lessons that you learned from him impact your leadership? I guess I'd say two quick things. One, <clears throat> um, I would I would be taken to the woodshed at least <laughs> once a week, and. As these gentlemen you would were attest, <laughs> yeah, but as they would attest, I mean, he, he could just take the bark right off of you. I mean, he just. But you talk about his writing. You'd probably get a little note later in the day. He had had remorse and was sorry about what had happened. Sometimes. So, so that that taught me to develop the poker face later when I became governor, so that when you're dealing with some tough issues, you can just 
have the right face for it. The other, the other example I would give is his compassion for the people. Um, I'll always remember I was in the U.S. Senate at the time, but we were having terrible floods up north. We were in Orofino and I was with Governor Batt. Uh, the clear water was just raging. And here was the major bridge to Orofino. And on the banks was a, a, a very nice home. But it was going to be taken off its foundation ultimately by the floods. And if it were allowed to go, it would take the bridge out. So Phil was standing with the family that owned that home. He consoled them, but then gave the order to the guard, the National Guard, take it down. Um, you talk about his heart being in the right place, standing with the people. He was always up front, um, but knowing how to make the tough decisions. Well, you know, um, first of all, governing is not something that you're, the, the ability to govern, the, the understanding of governance, that's not something you're born with. And, and generally, they don't teach it anywhere uh, that I know, of, the civics classes and what have you. So when you're elected to public office, um, you have grand visions of the kinds of things that you want to do. And, and so you have to make a decision, you know, what, what is the proper role of government? That is, uh, do you want to be all-encompassing and take care of every problem that comes down the pike and try to be everybody's friend and, and uh, create new programs and what have you? Or uh, do you believe that government uh, should do only what folks can't do for themselves? And uh, that's a spectrum, and everybody lies on that spec spectrum somewhere. And so when I, when I came to the Senate, uh, I'd, I'd spent two terms as a county prosecuting attorney, but it was a legal position, not a governing position. You weren't making executive decisions as to what you should do or, or uh, how to go about it or that sort of thing. So when you, when you come to the legislature, which by the way is a great schooling place to, to learn how to govern, uh, if you watch and listen to uh, people who've done it for a while, um, Phil, uh, Phil had, by the time I got there, I mean, he had this down. This guy was a master at governing, and, uh, and he had the innate ability to listen to a problem and knew exactly where, where, it, where it fell on what we should or shouldn't be doing about it. And I, I think that's probably something, I mean, I got that from him very, very early on, and uh, it, it still informs every decision I make today probably more subconsciously than anything else. But, but it's, you, you, you either develop that yourself, uh, which most people don't, or you pick up pieces of it from, from other people. For me, and I suspect for the other guys sitting at this table, Phil was a tremendous influence in that regard. Governor Otter. Well, uh, I have to go back much <laughs> further than when I first started serving uh, with uh, Phil. Uh, I would just out of active duty with the military, I just got home from Fort Knox, Kentucky. And a good friend of mine, Dean Summers, was the chairman of the uh, attache committee. So he came to me and he said, Butch, would you like to be the assistant secretary and parliamentarian of the Senate? And I said, I thought that would be great experience. And I said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to. And that was my first introduction to Phil and that quick mind. Uh, Phil was a student, if, if not maybe the author, uh, under an assumed name, of the One Minute Manager. Uh, if you had a problem, if you had an issue that you wanted to go in and talk to Phil about, you went to, into the elevator and practiced going from floor one 
to 4-3. And if you couldn't say it in that time, Phil wasn't going to listen to it. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, yeah. You know, there were times when I'd walk in, and he knew exactly why I was coming. And he'd say, hi, Butch. Thanks for coming. <laughs> and the meeting was over. <laughs> he did By that. the way, I'll send you a note. He did that when you and I went and saw him in the hospital. What are you guys oh, doing yeah. here? Yeah. Well, it was nice to see you. <laughs> <laughs> he did that when I went and saw him in uh, Arizona. When he ended up in the hospital in, uh, or not Arizona, California, uh, he and Fran were on a trip down there, and he got sick. Ended up in uh, Betty Ford's uh, hospital, or one right next to it. Anyway, and uh, I walked in with Ron Van Ocker, because that's who uh, Miss Laurie and I were staying down there with. And we walked in, and he said, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> didn't even say hi. <laughs> I believe it. He was very impatient with things he didn't like. Uh, he, he was, uh, uh, and, and people who weren't, uh, uh, who, who uh, weren't very good at doing things. He, he just, he had no patience there at all. You know, he, uh, he, he wanted to get from point A to point B and not make a lot of stops along the way. <laughs> What kind of lessons did you take from Governor Bat? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, getting things done on an expedited basis, uh, like I talked about yesterday, he fixed the computer system at Health and Welfare for Cecil Andrus, his predecessor. Andrus just asked him to do it. He went around and did all the work. The state pension fund that all of us in this room are going to enjoy. He fixed it. Jody Olson and said, no, and nobody knows that he doesn't get credit. Yeah, for that. he doesn't I mean, get credit uh, for but it. That was a huge. That was a huge thing for Alan, the state. Of Alan Winkle said that he asked the toughest questions of any board member or any governor about what do we need to do to make sure that that politicians don't dabble in Percy uh, to right. their benefit or for for votes, and that the long term sustainability. So every local. Uh, every te every local government, every teacher, every state employee will reap the benefits of Phil's hard work. But I, I, I do have to say one thing, you know, Phil, Phil's had some health issues in the last few years. Um, Francie added years and years onto his life. His love for Francie, uh, I, I remember that wedding. <laughs> he, Phil and all of us are Republicans, but Francie's brother was a Democrat that served in the state Senate. Terry Riley. Yeah, Terry yeah. Riley. and I remember going to <laughs> Phil's reception at Al Henderson's place where we'd all had events and there were Hillary Clinton stickers there. And I go, Phil, what's his deal with all these Hillary Clinton bumper stickers? And yeah. But it was it was uh, Terry, and but Francie absolutely Phil was so happy when he when he and Francie were together. They had this connection of music, uh, incredible connection. But Francie uh, absolutely saved Phil's life because he had, you know, he had, he had a, a back fracture. He had some other things. Francie took care of him, and 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 he needed that. She's a she's a lovely woman. We, you know, we, I'm sorry. Can I add one more thing? Absolutely. So, please. I knew what that wedding meant for Phil. Brad is absolutely correct. It, it gave him new life. And so my gift to them was, I wrote a note and said, I'm overseas. I happen to have been in France. I said, I've lighted a candle for you at Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. And whenever I'm in a church that has candles, I will light a candle for you. And uh, Francie came up and gave me a hug yesterday saying how much that meant to her. That's so lovely. That's, we only have a few minutes left, but I, I wanted to ask 
you know, just briefly, what are you going to miss most about Governor Bat? Well, you know, he he's one of those people that that he was always there. You know, you didn't see him every day. You didn't talk to him every day, but he was always there. I don't think there's anybody at this table that hasn't made lots of calls to Phil over the years and say, hey, th this is th this is uh, w what we got. This is what I'm thinking. What, what do you think? And and uh, all all of us stood shoulder to shoulder, obviously, on the. Uh, uh, on the uh, agreement to clean up uh, INL, nobody put a finger on INL without calling Phil Batt and saying, "Hey, this is uh, this is what we're thinking of doing. What uh, where do you want to go?" But I, I think that's th that's what I'll miss uh, and and probably miss it the first time. I think you know I had to run this. Uh, I'd, I'd like to run this by Phil, and he's not there to run it by. Mm. Governor Kempthorn. The fact that you have four governors sitting here, three former, one incumbent, but they're all friends. And, and a common thread was Phil Bat. Mm -hmm. And yesterday when each of us spoke, I, I, perhaps the first time I've experienced that all four of us were choked up. That's what he meant to us. And he, he gave us so many positive examples. And one of those is the fact that this friendship can go on. And uh, I, I appreciate Phil for that. And the weld is Phil Bat. Uh, Phil had a great uh, attitude. In fact, it reminds me, uh, he didn't say it exactly this way, uh, but I interpreted it that way, that with your enemies and those people that you sometimes disagree with, uh, they need love the most when they appear to deserve it the least. And that's why whenever you got a, whenever you got a chewing out by Phil Bat, it was a note or it was a phone call, yeah. or it was a knock on your office door. Say, you know, maybe I was a little hasty. Let's talk a little bit more about this. And then you could get into some, some uh, serious understanding of Phil Bat, the man. Mm -hmm. Governor Little. Well, he, he really kind of epitomized uh, our job about not getting too full of yourself. Uh, don't take yourself too serious. You go around everybody, oh, governor this, governor that. Phil would make you humble real fast. Yeah. And he, he and, and I, I think it's what people in Idaho expect of their governors and their governance, uh, that, we, that we still have that connection, which he always did. You know, kids, uh, people far remote from Boise, Idaho, other people that would came in. He, he never was big on going to national meetings. He wanted to stay right here in Idaho and do his job. Don't get too full of yourself. And I, I know that's what the people of Idaho want. Well, I want to thank all four of you for joining the for for joining us to remember Governor Bat, Governor Brad Little, Governor Butch Otter, Governor Dirk Kempthorne, and Senator Jim. Let Rish. me say just one final thing, uh, and and I run this at the risk. I do this at the risk of if Phil was here, I'd be I'd get chewed out for it. <laughs> I believe it. But Phil was my kind of rhino. He was a rational individual with noble objectives, and that was the Phil Bat I knew. We'll have you back to talk about that a little bit more, Governor Otter. Thank you all so much for joining us. And thank you for watching. We'll see you next week. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho.
by the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.